1: Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com.
2: All right, Purple Daily on draft every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and podcast feed. Hit the subscribe button for daily Vikings entertainment. Purple Daily on draft takes the NFL draft, morphs it into a 52-week year-round show, basically. And Miles Gorham and Tyler Fornis and I, to break things down from a draft perspective, Plenty of stuff to get into. The Vikings Bears game was ugly. We gave some hot takes on the flagship edition of Purple Daily. We had Alex Boone break down some film of it. So let's take a look at the Purple Daily on draft side of things. And let's actually even rewind before the Vikings game to Saturday, cause Quasi Adolfa Mensa was spotted at the Notre Dame USC game, taking some things in. Now obviously Caleb Williams being the uh soup de jour or the, the flame and yon, I should say, of of that game. Who else could he have been looking at when you guys watch that game or even just going into it? Who were some guys that obviously Kwesi could potentially target from those games? I mean, you have two teams that are pretty storied franchises and two teams that uh, obviously have a lot of prospects that were probably coming into the draft. Uh, Forno, I'll start with you. I guess, who are some guys that you, that Kwesi could probably even be targeting or looking at from that USC Notre Dame game?
1: So I think we need to start off with why he was there and, General managers go to games strategically all the time. South Bend is an hour and a half from Chicago. It's like Notre Dame's campus is exactly an hour and a half from Soldier Field. So that's just smart business. You're already going to that area. You have a marquee matchup between two national powers. Let's go take a look. And obviously, the talking point is Caleb Williams, but that offense is loaded with potential uh, weapons, a wide receiver. You have Taj Washington who's probably going to translate more to the slot in the NFL, Brendan Rice, Mario Williams, uh, Dorian Singer, who was a stud last year for Arizona. And I think everybody knows how big of a fan of Jed Fish and that Arizona program I am right now. There are guys on that offensive side of the football to really keep an eye on. Um, His name is escaping me, but the safety for uh, USC is also a really good one. You've got two really good tackles at Notre Dame in Blake Fisher and Joe Alt. Sam Hartman is for some an intriguing quarterback prospect. I don't think he's good enough to be in the NFL. Um, Audrey Gestime, the running back is a very interesting player in his own right. And Notre Dame is kind of tight end you outside of Iowa. Like they just always have a dude that's going to play a decade in the NFL. It's, it's almost like a rite of passage for Notre Dame. Um, plus there are some defenders on that defense that are really good. Um, Howard cross the third is kind of an undersized defensive lineman, like a similar build to like a John Randall and Aaron Donald, but he plays the game with a lot of physicality and he's a really good athlete as well, but he is on the smaller side. Like there are a lot of different players that he could be looking at, but the reason why he's there is because the Vikings were playing so close and it just makes sense for him to be there. And then it's a hop, skip and a jump. All he has to do is, drive an hour and a half back to Chicago and he can attend the Vikings game live. So it's just about maximizing your resources. And this is, it's just a really smart play. It'd be the same thing as the Vikings played at home. Uh, like they did last week and it's Minnesota, Michigan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You go there. Like it's just a really smart use of resources by the Vikings.
2: Miles, when you, when you saw that news also come in that he was there, um, what did you make of it? And is there anyone else that you were looking to potentially target or that has interest from either team that could maybe fit the Vikings in the draft next year?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think to kind of piggyback off what Forno saying, like it's a it's a smart move. You're out there, why not? Um, but also, it's a chance for him to connect with his scouts and also his uh, and other teams, scouts and and GMS. I don't. I, I'd have to go look and see what exact GMS were there too, but it's also business talk like these guys go out they you know they probably get drinks grab dinner they have conversations it's not just about the players that are playing in the game it's also about everything else that's going on around the nfl and um and business so i think Mm crazy just is continuing to do that i i would assume he's he's having conversations whether it's trades whether it's just like discussions with agents discussions with you know it's just other opportunities for him to get face-to-face conversations with people and so um so I, I think there's there's more to it than just seeing Caleb Williams and, mm-hmm. and Notre the Notre Dame like USC versus Notre Dame game. I think it's it's also business and an opportunity for him to do that. They also schedule this stuff out well in advance, so it's not like you most of the time they're not just going out there out of nowhere. Usually they plan it, you know, months months in advance, so that like his calendar is probably booked up for the next handful of months, anyways, with trips and and things going on and games to go to. So um, I look at it that way. Um, we talked about. Caleb Williams being the being the star of the show obviously I would assume hey let's see what this guy looks like in person obviously he didn't play his best game on Saturday against Notre Dame they ended up getting beat pretty good um but I still think he's probably just looking to see it for, for himself firsthand and also hear what you know the people within USC Notre Dame everybody's talking about these players um know their coaches the scouts what other people think about um these prospects as well and so I'm sure he's he's doing his homework there um in terms of players, like they, they also could be future. Uh, watching guys about the future, like Zachariah Branch, uh, did I say it? Uh, Zachariah Branch, the receiver, yep. like one of the fastest players in college football. He's a true freshman, so obviously he's not draft eligible, but like those are guys you write names down. You know, hey, let me put this in my in my notebook and store it away for a couple of years. Um, those types of things too. So I think it's it's more than just like the players that are currently on the on the roster, but future future looks too. Um, I think Joe Alt is another guy to look at. Um he's he's another one if the Vikings wanted to find another old lineman, um, he's been good for Notre Dame. I think he's got a chance kinda of like the uh, tight end position at Notre Dame. They usually always find a guy that's um like a stalwart in the in the league, ten ten plus years, Pro Bowl type type player. And so I think Joe Alt's another one of those guys. Um I'm not sure I was gonna ask your your thoughts on on this guy, uh, Tyler, but uh Javante Jean Baptiste. Um I think he's another guy. He's a he's kinda of like a tweener. Um just like mm-hmm. uh the other the other guy you mentioned, I'm 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 blanking Sam Hardcross. Um, thank you. Um Hardcross. Um and I I think so uh you know just looking at different positions and seeing what um what guys have, maybe like day three picks. Um because I don't think there's a lot of um outside of the stars um a lot of like true high end players for mm-hmm. for both teams besides the few names that we've already mentioned.
2: Was it yeah. Ka- was it Kalen Bullock that you were thinking of, Tyler? Yeah. Okay.
1: Bullock's a stud. Oh Bullock, yeah, yeah.
2: So it looks like he will be but i i think just this was from I got one article pulled up from uh from actually from u s a to uh u s a today wire on him, and he's he went into the season as a top fifty pick. I guess if you were mm-hmm. to draft him and we can get in some Lewis scene talkers i want to talk about that with him being a healthy scratch basically uh yesterday against the bears but what what do you do about drafting in their safety like if if Kweisi pulls the trigger on another first round safety is that just like too much p t s d are we getting into the old rhythm of the Vikings and Zimmer always taking cornerbacks in the first round if they took Bullock I guess where would you like for them to be taken And also is there just is there too much pent up frustration or what do you say to Vikings fans who are too afraid to take another safety
1: in the late first round again so I think if you're looking at the safety position the whole reason the Vikings drafted Lewis in the first place was because they wanted a replacement for Harrison Smith now things haven't gone well and you you can factor in a lot of different things I'm still on the train that yeah, Brian Flores doesn't trust these guys enough with discipline, which is why you're not seeing a lot of snaps for the scenes, the booths, even though Booth played 26 snaps this past Sunday, and Asamoah because they're very aggressive players, and you know what? It's not a great sign that they're not playing very much, but it's also, you have a complete shift in what you want to do on defense, and maybe these guys just aren't in, uh, in favor with Brian Flores, and quite frankly, he has no attachment to him. So, like, there's a lot of different things, but if you look at the safety room right now and how it's constructed, why would you want to take one in the first round? Unless that guy is far and away the best prospect on your bo- board the, uh, There's really no point. You feel really good about Metellus. You feel even better about buying him at this point. You just drafted Jay Ward, who they do like, and you have Lewis seen who still has potential, even though he hasn't lived up to it. And quite frankly, the more games he doesn't play on defense, the more questions are going to keep arising. Like, is this guy ever going to do anything in the league? I think there's still hope, but it's dwindling real fast. So I don't think they'll draft Bullock, but it's always a good idea to keep eyes on a player, especially if the value just gets to be too good to pass up at a certain point in the draft. You want to at least know about him.
2: Miles, are you ready to give up on this Lewis scene idea here? Are you not ready to give all the way up? I mean, a healthy scratch. I mean that uh, as a hockey fan, you're like, that's never a great sign. Uh, but at the same time, a, a first round pick here, it's a sour taste. Is, is this it for Lewisine, Or is there something that could be resurrected here?
0: I guess I just want to know like what, what's really holding him back. And um, in, in terms of like, why, why we're not getting a chance to see some of the glimpses of his potential, because the the, the talent is there. Like I, I, I don't question the athleticism, like his, his like aggressiveness, all those things we saw in the preseason and, and a little bit of last year before his injury. And then obviously leading into the draft. So, I just, I'm curious, like what's truly holding him back. Um, so I have a hard time giving up on guys. I, my my rule is always like three years. I've always kind of said that it's got to be three years, just because you see some guys come out of nowhere. Like, um, mm-hmm. I thought we, I mean, I know it was in year two, but like KJ Osborne was was left for dead after his rookie year, and that guy came out of nowhere and, and it's kind of turned into you know a pretty solid player. Um, and there's more examples of that, but um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure what the deal is. I would love to know. I'd, I'd assume it's probably something within what Forno is saying about trusting or being trusted by Flores. But um, I think at the same time, you'd like to find some way to kind of get him in the game. Like B- Booth earned an opportunity on Sunday uh, to play 26 snaps and we hadn't seen him all season. And that was over Blackman who we yes. didn't hear anything about Blackman injury wise. It sounds mm-hmm. like he just might've got pulled. So um, I, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for, for a scene to kind of get get a chance to see some snaps down the road, especially if this team's not going to be as good, Maybe they do move a Harrison Smith. Maybe something like that happens to open the door a little bit more. They have Theo, Theo Jackson too. I think we we know they like a lot too. So to your point, like the, there really isn't room to add another safety right now, um, especially high in the draft when you have so many other needs. There are so many other things that they could be focusing on. Uh, I don't. I think safety is probably one of their stronger positions overall too.
1: I'll say this: my tinfoil hat theory is they didn't want to risk him re-injuring that hamstring on that turf. Very, very possible. So that, that turf is gross and it, if you were just like you know what we can get away with not having him on the on the active roster for a day he's just came off a hamstring even though he was completely removed from the injury report maybe let's take a safe approach you know that's very possible because it, a lot of people complain about how awful the turf is at Soldier Field
0: well and he's not a guy that you're relying on like you can mm-hmm. replace him in special teams for a game like I'm not yeah. saying Scene doesn't hasn't been good on special teams but you can replace him for a game do some of those things. Like you said, let him just fully get healthy. And we'll see next week. I think if it becomes a pattern, then we'll, then we'll really know truly what they, what they feel about Lewis scene. It's
2: weird because I don't think he's like in the classification of a ponder or a Troy Williamson bus level, just because those guys were, st- were expected to step in, make big time contributions and they failed. Like they're no doubt bus, but like I kind of group them in like the LeCron Treadwell bus level, right? Like Treadwell, People thought he was going to be a number one wide receiver, but then the Vikings all of a sudden stumble into Digs, like, taking a humongous jump from his rookie year, and then Adam Thielen with this improbable, incredible story. And then it's like, well, Treadwells is basically forgotten about here. And with Lewis seen he's a safety, so he's not, like, being asked to play, like, a super important position right away. Um, but, man, if he doesn't see the field, like, at all, if this is it, like, if, if he legitimately is inactive for every game this year and they just swallow and move on in the offseason, like, I do think he has... In the conversation, at least, it's like legit one of the worst Vikings draft picks of all time.
1: Uh, all times tough. That's yeah. I. I'm not going there. Like, but it, look, it's not good? Yeah, not good. Still a bust. At the way things are going, but one of the worst of all time, I think, is a little bit of hyperbole. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not going to touch the likes of Christian Ponder, Demetrius Underwood. Like, uh, look at some of those uh, picks from, like, the the few picks that they made in the 90s in the first round. Yeah, you had Robert Smith, you had Randy Moss, you had Dante Culpepper, but, like, Dwayne Rudd, he was fine. Derek Alexander, what did he do? Nothing. Like, there are other, Dwayne Rudd's a bad example. I don't know why I said him, but uh, (laughs) there are plenty of other players, like Erasmus James, dog water. Troy Williamson, even worse. Mm -hmm. Like, scene was the 32nd overall pick i think you give a little bit more grace there especially because you traded down and you acquired extra assets like i'm not willing to put it on that level but i completely understand wanting to go there was mike well, Was hughes a 30th pick yeah. 30th, yeah. 30th pick right okay
0: so i think the difference for me between scene and some of the other guys like a williamson and obviously being the 32nd pick is significantly different being the seventh overall pick. Mm-hmm. So I think there's expectations that vary complete that are completely different there. But my, the the thing with Lewis seen for me is that he's not, hasn't been good enough to see the field. Those guys at least got opportunities in game to like show that they weren't good enough. Like if you can't get on the field to show that you're bad, that, that, that means they're not even, they don't even want to give you that opportunity. So that to me is where I'm like, how how bad? It's really bad if you can't even see the field to prove you're not good enough to play in the league. Like you're you're a step below the the, the backups, the third stringers. Like you're like at least like the Laquan Treadwells, Troy Williamson's, Mike Hughes. Those guys got a chance to like prove they just. I'm, I'm not putting Mike Hughes there. I love Mike Hughes, so I can't I can't talk negative about that dude. Um, but like those guys in general got at least tick on the on the field to like show that they weren't good enough and like why you needed to move on. We don't have that sample from Lewisine, and like that feels like it's a him problem more than anything.
1: So and, let me let me throw this by you because I, I think this is a an interesting talking point, especially when you compare Z, the Zimmer era to what they're doing under Kevin O'Connell. They substitute a lot less with Kevin O'Connell than they did with Mike Zimmer, based on my perception. They only used two linebackers on 19 plays yesterday, and they're putting guys like. Cam Bynum has played in every single snap. I think the last three weeks, same with Jordan Hicks, Harrison Smith. Like they're keeping more of these guys in, in those positions for the entire game, rather than doing some, som- some, form of rotation. So I'm wondering how much that is playing into some of this. Obviously you have all the other stuff we've seen, but they're not even rotating guys like Theo Jackson into the game. He gets like one snap a week. So they're keeping like the top three guys at that position and that's it. They're not bringing anybody else in considering how many times they're using three safety snaps. So I'm very curious how much of a balancing act it is between the performance, kind of like we're talking about and how he's not being able to step the field versus what they want to do and not have a lot of rotation.
0: I think that the issue there is like a defense like this. They don't, they don't have the same luxury um, as to do that. But I also don't think, Brian Flores, like Zimmer, likes to rotate their DBs, especially like if if guys are playing well enough, don't I'm not gonna take them off the field. Like, there's no point. Like, mm-hmm. I remember uh, Everson Griffin used to play 900 snaps, like as yeah. a defensive end. Like, like D lines usually rotate, but like as a defensive end, that man's playing almost a thousand snaps a season. That's a lot. And like, I think Brian Flores sees it the same way. Like, why would I take my best players off the field if I don't have somebody else that's like really, really like could have an impact? Like, I think they rotate rushers a little bit more, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like there really isn't room to like put him on the field right now. And so, Mm -hmm. um, but if they're going to be bad, why not, why not give him a chance to see what he can do?
2: Completely agree. So what, what is that then? Like to you guys in your mind, is that just like, he's that bad in practice? Like, and I know we don't have access to everything, but what is it? Like, what would be like the determining black and white factor of why like guys like Treadwell and Williamson and everyone else is able to get some looks And this guy can't even sniff
1: the field at all. He's a healthy scratch. And and that's why I had the tinfoil hat theory of the turf and them Mm -hmm. wanting to play it extra cautious because as we've been talking about the Justin Jefferson hamstring, it's a very fickle injury that can be easily aggravated. And playing on that turf, you know what? He may be healthy enough to play, but let's keep it safe. So that would be a question I'd like to ask if I was in the room just to try and get some more answers and see it and to try to understand because going to practice, I thought that the, that scene had a lot of uh, like spurts of really good play. And he had some spurts of struggles and we have to remember he had four games of a rookie season and they were finally going to start rotating him in on defense and he gets hurt. So then you miss all that practice time and he dealing with that injury, a lot of strenuous, aggressive, really difficult rehab. So, your focus is not necessarily on learning how to be a better player. It's learning how to make sure that you can keep any form of explosiveness that you, you had pre-injury. So there's so many variables here that we just don't have actual answers to that either way, it's frustrating and it's not looking good right now.
2: Yeah, it's looking rough. Looking real rough. Good stuff though, on this Lewis scene conversation. And I know a lot of fans want some answers on that. So uh, inject all the Lewis scene content, I guess, into your veins there. Transitioning into like the draft overall. So the Vikings now have won a couple games. They're two and four. Maybe they in classic Vikings fashion, they ended up finishing, you know, with like an eight and nine record. They're picking 12th, 13th in the draft like they usually are. And if the quarterbacks are out of reach, and I'm I'm not giving fully credit here because there, someone on Ventline basically asked me this question if they're picking like 14th in the draft and they're out of all those quarterback range, like what, what would be their first round strategy? You think for now, would it be to draft just best player available? I know we still have a lot of things to play out, but let's say they're eight and nine, they're picking 14th in the draft in April. All those quarterbacks are kind of out of reach. Where would the Vikings go with that first round pick?
1: It's a really interesting question. I think if you had to kind of power rank them, it would be defensive line, and the the biggest question is edge rusher. What is edge going to look like? Are you going to keep Daniel Hunter and Marcus Davenport on longer term deals? If the answer is yes, you probably get one on day two. If the answer is no, that shoots right up the board because you're going to need uh, somebody to come in and help out. So it would be defensive line edge rusher. And then I, I would, I would consider like maybe another cornerback just to continue to build up the depth and then just keep shooting your shot as as much as it's frustrating. Oh, it's another cornerback. Like the Vikings have some good corner play right now, but if there's a guy there that you just absolutely love, take him. Who cares? And uh, a wild card wide receiver because KJ Osborne, I don't think he's going to be on this team. They use a lot of 11 right. personnel right. and getting another player in what's going to be a potentially another historically deep class if there's a guy that's just too good to pass up, take him. And I think they could do the same at offensive tackle, which sounds really dumb considering they have Daris on Brian O'Neill. But this offensive tackle class looks really, really, really good. And if you have to play him on the interior, just put him at left guard for a couple seasons. Then maybe you move on from Brian O'Neill and you kick him out to tackle. Like it's about building the best five, and you're going to have to probably replace Cleveland. So if you have a guy that you love that much, just take him. And I think that that's probably what you look at. Linebackers, a a maybe, but I don't think there's a lot of high end depth in this class. And you can always get a starting caliber player on day two. um, Unless you're, unless you think you have Fred Warner, if you think you found Fred Warner or a guy like that then take him, who cares? But I didn't think Jack Campbell was that kind of guy. And he obviously went 18th overall to the lions like is this draft sets up really interesting for the Vikings because it's all premium position based. It's heavy offensive tackle, heavy wide receiver, heavy quarterback. The Vikings have all of that but the quarterback. So if they don't take one, it it could be an interesting crapshoot.
2: Miles is is there a future first round draft pick roaming around uh your office right now? Is that what that is? <laughs> he's
1: he's trying to <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was telling you guys before the show, my, my kids are home this, today, so my good. my daughters my daughter's sleeping and my son's just wanting to watch Pokemon. So um Oh heck just, yeah. Yeah, had to like that. That oh. yeah, he's a he's a big Pokemon guy now. So um yeah. Um kind of piggybacking off that though, like if the Vikings have like the fourteenth pick, I think we're gonna see them try to be like overly aggressive to go get a quarterback. And we don't know what the top of the draft order would look like. I think though that kind of like we've heard some rumblings that they were going after Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young, any of the top three quarterbacks in this last draft they were trying to go get. Um, it sounds like they were, they were willing to give up a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if they were willing to do that same thing, especially from like the 14th pick. Um, now that doesn't mean they'll be able to do it. Now, if they don't do it, what I wouldn't be surprised of is if we saw a trade back. I know it's a cop out. I know that's always the the go-to, but for me, like if you can't go get your quarterback at 14 or if a guy doesn't fall far enough for you to be able to get him, I, I think it's always best to, because you're you're kind of in a good spot at some of those premium positions that you mentioned for now, like tackle. Now maybe edge rusher, edge rusher and D line. I'll hundred percent if there's a guy that falls and you should take him, take him there. Um, I don't I don't want to miss that opportunity because they mm-hmm. haven't done that. What the, we've talked about this. When's the last time they drafted a uh, an edge rusher in the first round? Was it Erasmus James?
1: Ah, does in two thousand six. There it is. Right. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. D tackle was Sharif Floyd, and Floyd. he was projected yep. top five pick and right. slid all the way to 23 because he's got short arms right <laughs> like I, I, well, it was three That was part and, of that was part of it yeah yeah the the three technique thing and that yeah. once the raiders picked and then star Latulule went and a lot of people mm-hmm. had those guys kind of yeah. even it all depended how he felt about the heart issue and then he just kind of had a free fall because of the position he played
0: yeah i that that draft could have been so elite for the vikings um but anyways uh yeah i i think i think right now like it for me it's edge rusher or d line or quarterback otherwise like trade back like go get get more capital do what you gotta do um but it's got to be quarterback i'm so mm-hmm. we just never we just need i like i need it like i need it i need to like re- be rejuvenated by this team the last handful of years like last year was like an exception but like 2020 2021 this year it's just been such a like letdown and i just want to be like rejuvenated as a fan base like we have someone like give me someone to get hope for. Like as much as ponder was crap, like I, I, he at least like brought some hope because you right. at least had a guy that you like, we could, let's see if he could become something. Now, obviously we knew he didn't pretty quickly that he wasn't going to, but like, I just want I want that hope back. Like Teddy Bridgewater, even Sam Bradford, Kirk cousins, when he first got here, like I want some of that hope back that we haven't had in a while. I mean, my God, well, when well, they
1: drafted, it, his name is Darren Hall. Yeah,
2: that's yeah, true. Yeah. You, yeah. Got, you got, you yeah, you got Darren Hall, but even like, Kellen Mond, for God's sakes, they draft Kellen mm-hmm. Mond and the discourse yeah, yeah. and like, even just the intrigue around that was nuts. And obviously that didn't work out, but it also, to your point of just having a, a different person in the conversation, I guess it just, it, it's hopeful. And well, when you really know exactly what
0: your current quarterback is and what he's going to be, I mean, you're at a point where it's like, give me something fresh. Like, I just want to like, I want that fresh because it's, it's no longer fresh. Like everybody tries to talk themselves into Kirk being an MVP candidate going into every season since he's been in Minnesota and then he doesn't come close and we're like, but he's got another chance next year if we do X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, and I'm not trying to dog Kirk because we know how I I think Kirk's a good quarterback, but like, I just want some fresh blood. Give me like, let's rejuvenate the fan base and like rejuvenate this like roster itself.
2: It's not like the, it's not like the uh, family guy mystery box that Forno loves to use. So it's, it's very much much like (laughs) the mystery box.
1: Oh, that's, that's, I, I'm not the biggest Family Guy fan anymore. I used to be Same. that Same. scene where oh, you get a free boat, but what about the mystery box? It could even be a boat. <laughs> it could Even be a boat. Like, yeah, that is one that. of the best scenes of all time. And then you <laughs> just have have Joe, the, the guy in the wheelchair, uh, like like uh, he's somebody's driving the boat, and he's he's just like doing the little water ski thing in the street. <laughs> it's just incredible.
2: Oh, uh, I could do a whole Family Guy Purple Daily on draft episode too yeah. as well. Um. Hey, I, I got some feedback questions here that were sent over in the last few days. Uh, Purple Daily on draft related. This one from, uh, I believe it's Rhonda. Are um, they just
0: how great we are and how how yes. much like they love us more than Thor? I, so exactly. Listen,
1: you got Jaron Hall in the middle. You've got Fat yeah. T.J. Hawkinson on the right. Like we're we're just styling a profiling over here. Oh my God, <laughs> it's so true. Uh, he asks.
2: He's a big Maryland football fan. So, so I live in Maryland and I've watched a few Terps games and I've heard you guys talk about obviously Williams, May, Nicks, Daniels, but how about Tua's brother? It's, is it Ty, Ty-, Ty- Lula? Is that Talia. Pronounce Talia. Oh, Talia yeah, Tugaviola. Yeah. Viola. Um, is he going to be a good NFL prospect or will he never live up to the hype of his name set forth by Tua? I realize he will probably go mid to later rounds, but I was curious of his projections by you all. Uh, Forno, what do you think of the other of, of the other tug of
1: Viola, brother? So it's it's a really difficult conversation and it's really twofold. Which Tauley are you getting? Are you getting the one who is almost upset Ohio State a couple times? Or are you getting one who's going to play like dog water and get washed out by Rutgers 44 to 12? Like that's really the dichotomy we're talking about here. Towley as best is really good. is worst, he doesn't even look like a rosterable college quarterback. There's too, it's too many highs and lows with him. And I just don't think he has the necessary, like, athleticism and arm talent to really thrive. Like, athleticism is fine. Like, it's the arm talent that I'm really concerned about. And he just can't drive the football. And that offense is also very weird. It's basically like, hey, we're just going to chuck, chuck it. And I'm getting a coming through my headphones is messing me up here. Um, Like it's basically just all goes and Hey, we're just going to throw it downfield, which is fun in college. And you can kind of get away with that with how spacing works and how you can manipulate like uh, shallow defenders and create holes and seams. But in the NFL, there's just so little room for error. And I don't think he's got the requisite talent to be anything more than like a mid range backup. Okay,
0: that's, that's where I'm at too I I think there's like an opportunity kind of I don't think uh, Forno is going to like this one but kind of like a Jaron Hall in that way like I think there's potential Ooh. but there isn't I don't, I'm not saying like the, all of the things are similar but I think what you could project him to be in the next at the next level like a, a, a maybe he could grow into a backup type quarterback but I, I really do struggle to see how, how that transli- transitions He's uh, um, he has some of that talent I, obviously he's not as touted as his brother but um, he's right-handed. So I'm sure people will like that more than I like Tua being left-handed.
1: But hey, I will say as dumb as it is, the left-handed thing is a real thing in the NFL. I know.
0: Oh, I know it is. Hey man, I had to stop playing catcher in baseball because I'm left-handed. <sighs> so I, I I couldn't play shortstop. Derek Jeter is my favorite player. Grown up, I couldn't play. That's all I wanted to do was play shortstop. You are first base glad or right? You field. didn't really
1: catch catcher for your knees, man. Yeah,
0: I pitched I pitched too. By the yeah.
1: way. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, um That's I'm glad.
0: Yeah, my knees, my knees would would be hurting otherwise. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's like potential. I think. Um, but yeah, I don't really see him being anything other than like a like backup like developmental guy, um, late day three type of quarterback.
2: All right, another one here from, this is from Ben. He says, I would love some takes on DJU from Oregon State. He has upper echelon size, 6'4", 250, a five-star recruit who went to Clemson. Clemson uh, has a cannon for an arm, and after a couple rough patches, he transfers to Oregon State. Uh, He also has some impressive wins over Utah, Cal, UCLA. I'd love to know why he's not talked about more in draft discussions and what holes the purple daily on draft crew season his game that prelude uh, preclude him from the ranks of the bonex or Michael pennant. Thanks. loved the show.
1: Easy. D- watch Clemson 2022. It, he, it, it was almost like he completely lost every single ounce of confidence he ever had. Cause if you recall, his first game was 2020 Trevor Lawrence contracted COVID. They go to Notre Dame. And they lose in overtime, 41-38. But DJU threw for almost 400 yards and like five touchdowns in his first ever start. And it looked like, okay, this guy's going to be the next one. He's going to be the potential first overall pick in the 2023 draft. Well, it didn't come to fruition because Clemson really failed him by continuing to bring in receivers who can't separate, we are just big dudes. Like Think about like DeAndre Hopkins. He's never been a great separator. But what he does well is he can just manipulate defenders and use body positioning so incredibly well that it works. And that's why he's such a great receiver, but he's not going to gain separation from corners. That's not his game. And they continue to just go after that archetype and it just continued to hurt them. And then their style of offense has become archaic in how they utilize spread formations. So then he goes out to Oregon state and Jonathan Smith, if you don't know the name, he's a brilliant, brilliant football coach, but, and they actually have the number one um, usage of under center snaps going into this past week. I think it was like 48. Like they're doing things with him to just kind of let him utilize his strengths. He's good at throwing them over the middle of the field. He's not the fastest processor in the world, which, which hurts him, but he does have that size. He has the arm talent. It's they're essentially trying to just reconstruct what DJ you could have been and will it actually work? I really don't know because a lot of damage was done in that public perception at Clemson, but I will say I would be shocked if he didn't get drafted because there's two things that uh, coaches and general managers love. They love a guy with raw arm talent, which is why Spencer Rattler is going to go in the top 100 and they love absolutely love taking five-star recruits on day three five-star recruits you can talk about how stars don't mean much in recruiting; they mean something to front offices. I I don't think DJU is ever going to be a starter in the NFL, but you can see the talent, and you could see a potential path that would have a coach being willing to bet on him.
2: Man, six four, two hundred and fifty pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a
1: huge Dante Colt- dude.
2: Comp. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the first thing that came to mind. Hopefully, yeah. his hands aren't Burger King guys. But
0: um, <laughs> but well, he also can run, but he doesn't. He doesn't like. Or rushing, like he's not like a he's not like I need to duck my head and run type of quarterback, but he has the ability to run a little bit. um But yeah, I I think he's that guy that you like take a chance on if you like kind of like a um a Dorian Thompson Robinson in the in the way like like the Browns took a took a, a shot on him on day three, but you already have an established quarterback, not Deshaun Watson. I know that whole all everything going on around him and he hasn't played well. But like if you're a team with like an established quarterback, he could be a guy you bring in your building and say, hey, can we develop him to be a a long-term backup, maybe a, a bridge guy or someone that we can um, get, get something out of. And so I, I think he kind of at least has that to go off with what Forno saying. And like most teams like to bet on those, bet on the five stars, bet on the, the high upside traits. Um, and he's that kind of guy. And I think he's done a good job of going to Oregon state and kind of resetting himself. Cause I think he kind of let the Clemson hype probably get a little bit too, too into his head, probably felt the pressure, probably uh, maybe the, just like the trial by fire was just a little bit too much for him. And I think kind of getting to take a step back and go into a place like Oregon State where the pressure isn't the same. It's it's definitely not the same. He's not expected to win the conference. He's not expected to go to the national championship, the college football playoffs. He's expected to just be a, a solid, like a decent football team at Oregon State. And so I think him being more than that is just a, a plus for his uh, his like process moving forward, prospects moving forward.
2: Uh, One more here from Nicholas who says I'm a big Missouri fan and I am a huge homer when it comes to Mizzou football. So I would love your guys' thoughts on Brady cook. I think we briefly touched on him maybe last week. Um, He's taken a big step up this year. He says uh, from last year Forno, what do you think of Brady cook out of Missouri?
1: (sighs) Cook's a tough one because when he took over for Connor, Connor Bays, like a couple years ago, it was incredibly inconsistent and it was, borderline erratic. And I think he gets helped out a little bit too much by his receiving core, which is tremendous. And I, I will give him credit six and one at Missouri right now. And you arguably could have won that LSU game is really, really impressive. I just don't think he has the type of consistency and accuracy that you would like to see on an overall level from an NFL quarterback to really make that kind of transition it wouldn't shock me if he hangs around for a few years as like a backup practice squad guy. I don't see him as an upper echelon and I think we're going to have a lot of conversations um around Michael Penix Jr because he's minus 150 right now to win the Heisman trophy. He is the best quarterback in college football. Sometimes it's okay to just be the best quarterback in college football and that's all you are. And that can be a difficult realization sometimes that college success just does not translate to NFL success. Josh Allen threw for what, like 4,000 yards across three seasons at Wyoming. It doesn't always equate. And I think Cook is going to end up being one of those guys who is absolutely crushing it in my campus, to Canton Fantasy League for me. But I don't think he's an NFL caliber player at this point. He's definitely shown, like, progress, but
0: I do wonder, kind of like DJ, um, I'm, I'm awful at saying these last names.
1: Um, you but, go
0: thank you. Um, just, uh, like, kind of like yeah, They're both, I think, redshirt juniors, so they're in their, their, a fourth-year junior, so they do have another year of eligibility. So I'd be curious if those guys decide to come back because there should be a pretty strong, like, QB class in front of them, and they're not guys that are, like, in that upper upper echelon tiers, so they might want to come back and, and kind of put more um, put more on tape, too, so that wouldn't surprise me.
2: Oh, no! I know you wanted to get into bone uh Bo versus Michael Penix. However, I think let's let's actually save that bullet for for next week on a bigger show because I did see also of the other Vikings fans obviously discussing that. Uh but any other college football takeaways on top of an exciting go for Iowa game with a 32 and a half over under <laughs> that's set forth uh for this weekend.
1: Was that There's like the, the third real, that that lowest all time? time? I think it's the, third, right? The lowest all time was iowa it was, kentucky he was iowa minnesota last year yeah i was in
0: that in all of them which i think is amazing <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
1: um something worth noting from college football brock bowers uh got injured mm-hmm. in the second quarter against That's vanderbilt and he had tightrope ankle surgery today he's out four to six weeks which means he's not going to play against my florida gators and the gators are already going to lose but now it's going to be by less and that makes me happy it gives me hope it's like that michael scott meme i'm no question about it. I'm ready to get hurt again. Um, but overall, college football has just been really, really exciting. And I'm going to tell you, keep an eye on Arizona and Stanford over the next few years. Jed Fish has done a fantastic job with that Wildcat program. I've talked about it already once on the show, and I will continue to talk about it. They were they lost last year against USC with like the 120th ranked defense in college football by nine and then they lost by two in overtime this year. They they've already won four games. They absolutely demolished Cam Ward and Wazoo in Pullman 44 to 6 this weekend. And Stanford came back 29 to nothing deficit and beat Colorado in I think it was double overtime. Oh my God, it was nuts. Like, Troy Taylor coming from Sacramento State, like mm-hmm. if you have the time and you don't have anything to do, go on YouTube and search Incarnate Word versus Sacramento State FCS playoffs. They had a 73 to 69 game last year. No overtimes. It was one of the <laughs> funnest football games I've ever watched live. It's just it's it's just like two offenses going to war. And great time. Sacramento state head coach went to Stanford and Taylor is building something there. And they're going to take things in a different direction. And it's it's always going to be harder at Stanford because you have those higher academic standards than you would at a standard state school. But Stanford's going to be a team to watch because Troy Taylor's the real deal, and they're already proving it.
2: That catch, was it uh, from Eric IoManner from Stanford in the overtime? It was on Friday night.
1: Oh, my God, dude.
2: Just an absurd, like, legit one of the, probably, like, legit one of the best you-got-moss moments I have ever seen. (laughs) That was, if that's not on the Monday Night Football thing tonight.
0: Yeah, when you uh, can pin the ball... Behind on someone's helmet like that, and just and not lose any sort of concentration as you come right. and come away with, and just snatch it out of the air like that, like it's insane to have that kind of grip strength too. So,
1: just in this third quarter, he had something like seven catches for 178 yards and two mm-hmm. touchdowns, and he finished 13 293 and three. Absolutely bonkers stuff. And Ashton Daniels, they have something with him at quarterback, and EJ Smith, son of Emmett. So there was a lot of Dallas Cowboy connections in that game Friday night. Very
2: nice. Uh, well, boys, I'll do it here for Purple Daily on Draft. Uh, I believe we'll still record an episode next Monday. That might change with the Vikings playing a Monday night football game, but I believe we might still be doing an episode. So stay tuned if this episode, uh, next week's show, gets moved to a Tuesday or whatnot. We'll keep you guys posted on that. But hit that subscribe button for daily Vikings entertainment. This is Purple Daily on Draft. Miles Gorham, of Forniss, and Declan Goff will be back next week.